Amen. I'm going to ask if you're able to remain standing for just a few more moments as we look at our scripture for today. It's found in Judges chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 together. The word of the Lord to you today. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful, you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. It's good to see you all. I'll say to you, like I said to our team this morning, I'm in need of your energy today. Amen. Y'all know I ain't too proud to beg. So I've been fortunate to be on travel for some time, different cities, had some uh, great experiences, met some great people, uh, but it's good, to, it's good to be home. So nonetheless, I need your energy. So whether you are new today or whether you call New City home, uh, I'm grateful for your presence today. If you're unfamiliar with me, my name is Rodney. I'm the Matthews pastor here at New City. And as always, I am excited about our time together. We're going to pick up today where Pastor Travis left off last week as we continue the second half of our sermon series on the book of Judges entitled In Those Days. Now, I will admit it's been a great series uh, for me personally so far, and I would encourage you to catch up on any of the messages in this series that you may have missed so far. You can catch up online via the New City app or uh, the website. Amen? Amen. Well, before we dive into God's word, let's spend a moment and give, give him this space of our time together. Father, we acknowledge that this is your time. This is your moment. It's a holy moment, God. We pray that anything in this atmosphere that distracts us, that it would bow to your spirit. We declare that you are the authority in this space. Move up and down these aisles. Move in and out of our hearts, God. Get the glory in our hearts and in our lives today. In Jesus' name, every grateful heart said amen and amen. I want to start today by asking you a question, and the question is this. What is your biggest need right now? What's your biggest need? What thing or things have been in heavy rotation in your time of prayer lately? Whatever it is for you, I want you to keep that in mind as we study our scripture today. Because the truth is, if there's one thing that we all have in common, it's needs, right? We all have some kind of needs going on in our life. And we'll continue today as we look at the book of Judges to see that the same is true for our folks in Judges chapter 13. We'll see that they have needs. In fact, we just read it in verses 1 and 2. In verses 1 and 2, we learn that the people have needs. The people have needs. Now, let's look at it together as we get into Judges chapter 13 here. The chapter begins with the old familiar cycle of sin. 
It's an old familiar cycle of sin. If you've been rocking with us for a while, we've seen this pattern numerous times at this point. We've seen this pattern, uh, this sin cycle, if you will. But today in Judges 13, we read in verse 1, we read the sin of the people when we read that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Now, I don't have time to spend here this morning, but that's an interesting note uh, that the Lord is the one that determines what is evil and what is good, not you and I. The Lord determines what is evil and what is good. So the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So we see sin and we also see oppression. Scripture says that the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. But there's something missing here. Something missing here that we normally see as a part of this sin cycle. What we normally read as we see this sin cycle is, is that the people do evil in the sight of the Lord. We see sin. And after the Lord sends oppression, the people do what? They cry out for help. That one word prayer, right? They cry out for help. Notice that we don't see that here. We see that the people sin, they do evil in the, in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord sends oppression, but we don't see the people cry out for help here. And I believe at this point it's because Israel has gotten comfortable with their oppression. They've gotten comfortable with their oppression. Sad and unfortunate, but not unlike many people in our culture today, right? Because if we're honest, many of us have become comfortable with the things and in the spaces that slowly and subtly influence us away from God. Now, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's those unprofitable time slots. But we get comfortable in these spaces. We become allies, if you will, with the instruments of bondage sent by the enemy. This is where the people in Judges 13 are. This is where the Israelites are here in Judges 13. They have become accustomed to their slavery. They become accustomed to their slavery. Now, we all have those things that we, that we tend to become accustomed to, comfortable with that are not good for us, right? Like y'all have heard me tell you many times, sweets is my thing. I get comfortable in Sweetville. I get comfortable. Put a honey bun in front of your boy. I'm done. I'm done. Please don't send me any honeymoons. I'm trying to, trying to get my life together. But we all have those places, those things, those spaces that we get comfortable in that will influence us away from the life that God has called us to live. This is where they are. So while the Scripture makes no record of them asking for help, they need help. They have a need. They're being oppressed. They're in need of deliverance. They're in need of a rescuer. So like you and I, the Israelites of Judges chapter 13, they have a need. And then in verse number 2, we learn that a man named Manoah and his wife are unable to become pregnant and they have no children. So like the Israelites and like you and I, they have a need. Here's why. Because in ancient times, a woman's infertility, a woman's fertility rather, was a major part of her honor and dignity. And specifically, Israelite women... They would have longed to participate potentially in the fulfillment of the promise that a Savior would be born who would defeat the devil and undo the works of sin. So in those days, a woman who couldn't bear children lived under a cloud of shame and with a sense of disappointment. So yes, Manoah and his wife, like the Israelites, like you and I, they have a need. They have a need. 
But I love the fact that in verses 3 through 5, God addresses the needs. God addresses the needs. God reveals that he has a plan to address, address both the needs of the Israelites and the need of Manoah and his wife through one person. Somebody you may be familiar with, his name is Samson. Let's look at verses 3 through 5 together. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. Manoah and his wife need met check. And his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The Israelites need met. Check. So God reveals in these verses that he has a plan to meet their needs. Now, uh, very quickly, what the angel is referring to as he refers to this Nazarite vow, it's found in Numbers chapter 6. And as a part of this Nazarite vow, a Nazarite was not to cut their hair during the period of the vow, they were not to drink any alcohol, nor were they to have any contact with a dead body. Now, the purpose of the Nazarite vow was to ask for God's special help during a crucial time. It was a sign that you were looking to God with great intensity and great focus. So keeping one's hair uncut and reframing from the fruit of the vine were ways of showing that you were in training, as one commentary put it, towards a goal. So in keeping the vow, the Nazarite was living before the presence of God every day. So these are the instructions that the angel explains to Manoah's wife, who, by the way, remains unnamed in Judges chapter 13. So what happens next is the angel gives the instructions and the woman goes and tells her husband what the man of God told her. And in verse 8, Manoah prays to the Lord. He prays to the Lord and he asks, he says, Lord, send the man back. Send the man back and allow the man to give us more instructions about this son that is to be born. So Manoah and his wife, at this point, they're acting in faith. It's a very interesting story. I, I want to encourage you to read it for yourself. But I want you to notice that Manoah does not doubt his wife. He doesn't doubt his wife. He just asks, hey, I'm, I'm encouraged, I'm excited about this, but give us, come back and give us some more instructions about this child that is to be born. Now, I want you to note that the way they're acting here, the way they respond after the man of God tells them that they're going to have a child after they've been barren is very different than some other biblical stories that we're familiar with, right? If you remember when Sarah, Abraham's wife, was told that she would become barren despite her, pregnant rather, despite her barrenness, what did she do? She laughed, right? She laughed in disbelief. When the angel came and told, when he came and told John the Baptist's father that they would become pregnant, he didn't believe it. So what we see here in Judges 13 is that Samson's mother and father showed faith in the Lord's ability to do the impossible. So the Lord knows that the people have needs. Just like the Lord knows that you and I have needs. And just like he has a plan to meet those needs of the people in Judges 13, he has a plan to meet your needs as well. But I love what he does here. Before, before he meets those needs, he responds to Manoah's prayer. He responds to their prayer. And in doing so, he's going to reveal their biggest need and his greatest gift. In fact, that's our bottom line. Our biggest need is God's greatest gift. 
Our biggest need, your biggest need, my biggest need is God's greatest gift. Now, I want you to see this in the story. Let's get into it. The biggest need and the greatest gift. What happens here in verses 9 through 14 is Manoah has prayed. He's asked the Lord to send the angel back. And in verse 9, the Lord graciously sends the angel back. He graciously sends the angel back. This time, just like the first time, the angel appears to Manoah's wife. When the angel appears to Manoah's wife, Manoah's wife goes, gets her husband, so that Manoah can share with the angel his specific request for, this more, for, for more information about this child that is to be raised. In verse number 12, Manoah asks, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? It says, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? Reasonable request, don't you think? It's a reasonable request. Okay, God, I'm excited. We're going to have this child. Give us some more specifics about how we are to raise this child. But here's where the Bible gets good. I love this. The angel, if you read the story, the angel would not give them any more specifics. Wouldn't give them any more information. Essentially, if you read it in verse 13, the angel is like, bro, I already told your wife what's up. Do that. Do that. He says, your son is going to be set apart and your wife should do everything that I told her to do. Why should you do everything that I told her to do? But he wouldn't give them more information. Now, if you're anything like me, when I read through the Bible, I question the text. And I do believe that it's healthy for you and I to question the text. So as I read this, I asked, why did the angel come back? Why did the angel return if he had no new information? Why would he come back? Manoah prayed for help. He prayed for God's provision, a reasonable request that was refused. Have you ever prayed a reasonable request, a request that you thought was reasonable and, and God refused? That's what's happening here. But I question the text. I ask God, why, why is this? Why? And I'm learning in my walk with God that there are times when God says no or, or when God is silent, but that doesn't mean that he's absent. Sometimes God is silent, but he is never absent. We're going to see this in the text. Stay with me. So the story goes on in verses 15 through 18. He doesn't answer their request. And so Manoah says, listen, stick around. Stick around. I want to make you some food to eat. Stick around. I want to feed you. To which the angel replies, I'll stay, but I'm not going to eat. This is a fascinating story. Please read this if you haven't. He says, I'll stay, but I'm not going to eat. The angel went on to say, here's what you can do, though. Here's what you can do. You can make a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. I'll stay, I won't eat, but you can make a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, the scripture says next in your Bible that Manoah didn't know that it was an angel of the Lord. Now, you and I had the benefit reading this account long after the fact, but they had yet to realize who who they were in the presence of. They had yet to realize, and in a second, their biggest need and God's greatest gift is about to be revealed. I need you to get this. Then Manoah asked the angel in verse 18, he says, what is your name? He says, when all of this comes true, when the son is born, all of this comes true, we want to honor you. What is your name? (laughs) I love this. The angel replies, it's too wonderful for you. It's too wonderful. It's like, like, let me take y'all on my mind. It's like the angel's like, bro, like you're not even ready. You're not even ready for who I am. You're not ready. So he says, It's too wonderful for you. So now here I am again. I'm questioning the text. So the angel, let me get this straight. The angel wouldn't give them any more information. A reasonable request that was refused. 
the angel wouldn't give them any more information. And no, no, Manoah invites them to have a meal. He stays, but he won't eat. And now he won't even tell him what his name is. So why did the angel return? Why did the angel return? Here it is. Verses 19 through 21. Let's, let's look at it together. I love this. I'm trying to encourage y'all to get excited about the word of God. Like this, it talks to us, right? This is what it says in verse 19. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, here it is. The Lord did an amazing thing. As if his addressing the knees in verse 3 through 5 wasn't enough. The scripture says right here, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was an angel of the Lord. Now, let me, let, me, let me make this plain. Let me make this plain for you. This is why the angel returned. Right here in these verses, this is why. Here's the truth of Scripture. When Manoah prayed back in, in verse number 8, right? Remember what he prayed. In verse 12, we looked at it. It says, he asked in verse 12, what kind of what? Rules should govern the boy's life and work. He wanted rules. He wanted rules, but what God gave Manoah was a revelation of who he was. He wanted rules. God gave him a revelation. He wanted information. What he got was an invitation to see the living God. He got an invitation. He got an invitation. Watch this. this one commentator wrote this. So in reply to being asked how to bring up the son, the Lord replied, that's not what you need. What you need is to know me. My character is more important than more information. All the rules in the world won't give you the direction you need and all the decisions and choices you need to make regarding your son, only a deep understanding of who I am can give you the guidance we need. Here's the true family. We think we need rules. We think we need more information, but what we need is a revelation from God. We need an awareness of God's presence in my situation. We need an awareness of who he is. Because, see, if you walk with God long enough, you know that God doesn't always give you a guidebook a rule book of every twist and turn, every doubt and every decision that you'll have to make in your life. But here's what he gives us. He gives us something much better. He gives us himself. And this is what's going on here. In Judges chapter 13 and verses 19 through 21, the angel of the Lord showed himself to be God. For the first time, Manoah and his wife understood that this was no mere person. This was no mere messenger from God, they realized that they had been in the presence of God himself, and this was their biggest need. And it's also your biggest need. It's also my biggest need. We get so caught up with the things of life, the pursuit of our ambitions, our goals, and our dreams, that we miss the greatest gift that is all around us every single day. As Jesus is speaking to the crowd in Matthew chapter number 6, towards the end of the chapter, he says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or even the clothes that you wear. He says, isn't life more? Isn't life more than this? He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Then he says, so don't worry about these things. 
He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And then he ends chapter 6 with a familiar verse. We know it well, Matthew 6.33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you what? Need. Everything you need. Friends, our biggest need is a revelation of who God is. It's a revelation of his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, his love, his presence right in the middle of whatever it is we're currently going through. Because that's what distractions do. They try to take our focus from God and onto whatever we think the present need is. Because it's that revelation, it's that realization that helps us to respond to God accordingly that helps us to live our lives for his glory. So this is what the angel does. This is what God does in Judges chapter 13. Then in verses 22 through 25, chapter 13 concludes with the birth of Samson. The promise is fulfilled. The promise is fulfilled. We'll talk more in detail about Samson's life next week. But the lesson for you and I today is that our biggest need is God's greatest gift. I need you to know that what God did for Manoah and his wife in Judges 13, he did for you and I at Calvary. When he sent the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. The scripture says as Jesus was on the cross, that the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, meaning that you and I have access to God through the gift of Jesus Christ, whose name means Emmanuel, God is with us. Undoubtedly, there, there are some of us in this room that are going through some heavy things right now. Some heavy things. But God's presence, his greatest gift reminds us that his love is so lavish. He gives us good gifts because that's who he is. He's a good, good father. That's what he does. It doesn't mean that any of our other needs don't matter. It just means that all of our other needs are met in him through him, by him. Because the truth is, it's only in him that we are all seen, valuable, and loved because of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift. I know you're looking for God to show up in some mighty ways. I know I'm with you in that. Some prayers that Jacqueline and I have had for three years running, I get it. But what God showed me in this, and I hope that he's showing you the same thing, that, that what you really need above all else is a revelation of God's presence. That's his greatest gift. A revelation that no matter what it, what it is I'm going through, God, you are with me. You are for me. And that you love me. So, I want to suggest that as our application today, that we, throughout this holiday season and beyond, as we begin to increase our awareness of God's presence, I'm going to suggest that our application is that we do one thing, two words. Slow down. Slow down. Truth is, some of us are moving too fast. 
Sometimes all it takes for us to be aware of God's goodness, God's presence, God's grace is slowing down. So I'm suggesting that you create margin in your schedule to breathe, that you might behold the wonder of God. Because I believe that's when we slow down, we can see all the amazing things that God is doing. I don't know about you, but I need a reminder of that sometimes. I need a reminder that God is doing some great things. So yes, we're going to travel, we're going to celebrate with family and friends, all kind of great things we're going to do, but I'm asking you, I'm begging you to slow down. Because as you do, you'll behold the amazing things that God is doing, and it becomes a part of your testimony. The Bible says in Revelation that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the what? Word of their testimony. So that's what, I'm, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. I know you got things to do. I know you're busy. I know you got kids and you got responsibilities, but I'm praying that you would slow it down. Some of us say, I can't afford to, but here's what I'm saying to you. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. Because the vitality of your spiritual life hangs in a balance. There's some amazing things that God has done. We're just too distracted with other things to notice what he's done. So God not only did an amazing thing in Judges chapter 13 with Manoah and his wife, He's doing amazing things in your life as well. I just need you to see it. Amen? To God be the glory. I love you and I mean it, but God loves you more. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the amazing things that you're doing in our lives, God. And we apologize now for being so distracted, so caught up. And a lot of good things, good things that you've blessed us with. But we prioritize those things over you. And so we ask today, God, that you would help us to slow down. So that we can see all the wonderful and amazing things that you're doing in our lives, God. We're grateful that our biggest need is your greatest gift. So we pray today, God, that you'd help us not to take it for granted, not to overlook it, not to miss it. Help us to remember that busyness is often a strategy of the enemy. So we commit our schedules to you afresh, God. Give us the faith to create margin, to breathe, to spend time with you. Show us those unprofitable time slots, God, that we can use to heighten our awareness of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And we're grateful, God, that as we do, you'll build a testimony in us that no demon in hell could come against, no man on earth could take away. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen.